Well, the Orioles are continuing their plan of this offseason in terms of roster building, adding on the margins to make slight upgrades across the roster. And they did it again on Tuesday, acquiring the first baseman and outfielder Ryan O'Hearn from the Kansas City Royals. And we're going to break down that trade, what it means for O'Hearn, and what it means for the Orioles coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Tuesday, January 3rd, 2023. And welcome back in to the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb. And coming up on today's episode, we are breaking down the Orioles roster move from Tuesday afternoon as they acquired first baseman and outfielder Ryan O'Hearn from the Kansas City Royals in a trade in which the Orioles sent cash considerations to Kansas City and the Orioles DFA'd the right-handed pitcher Chris Valamont to make room on the 40-man roster for O'Hearn. Now, the plan was not to have an episode here on Tuesday, which is why it's coming out to you as I post here fairly late on Tuesday evening, but the Orioles made a roster move, and as I've said this offseason, anytime the O's make a move, we'll get a podcast to you as soon as possible. So, it'll still be the Mailbag Wednesday episode hitting your ears on Wednesday morning, but here on Tuesday evening, we're going to be breaking down this move for the O's from every angle. So, let's jump right into it and start with who is Ryan O'Hearn because he's been in the big leagues with Kansas City since 2018 but he hasn't really made a huge huge impact of course he's been on a bad team all those years so I'm sure a lot of casual MLB fans or even just Orioles fans probably don't know much about Ryan O'Hearn now after the trade happened I know who Ryan O'Hearn is I have a general idea of his game but didn't know a whole lot about him either that's why this is once again a move on the margins for the Orioles. But Ryan O'Hearn is a 29-year-old left-handed hitting first baseman slash corner outfielder who has spent his entire career to this point with the Kansas City Royals. He was an eighth-round pick of the Royals in 2014 out of Sam Houston State, of course the college that also produced Colton Cowser, and made it to the big leagues with Kansas City in 2018, making his big league debut. Now, in terms of O'Hearn, on the Orioles this year. He was arbitration eligible this offseason, and the Royals did agree to a one-year $1.4 million contract with O'Hearn for the 2023 season because he was ARB eligible. They made the agreement to avoid arbitration, but then in a move that rarely happens, after they agreed to that number, the Royals DFA'd him back on December 28th. Of course, the Orioles obviously put in a claim, said let's try and work out a trade, and they did with cash considerations going over to the Royals. Now, O'Hearn, at this point, he will be a free agent after 2024, so he would have two more years with the Orioles if he does stick at this point. And again, they would pay him $1.4 million next year, and he would hit arbitration again for 2024. But in terms of Ryan O'Hearn, I mentioned that he came up in 2018. That has been kind of the shining mark on his career resume in the big leagues. After some good minors, good numbers, I should say, throughout the minor leagues, he gets called up later in the 2018 season on admittedly a pretty bad Royals team, but he made the most of it in his time in the big leagues in 2018 and really made the Royals think that they had found, you know, one of their pieces of the future as they were kind of embarking on their rebuild 
at that point. O'Hearn came up, he played 44 games down the stretch with the Royals at age 24 in 2018, and honestly, he was great. In 170 plate appearances, O'Hearn hit 262 with a 353 on base and a 597 slugging percentage. He had 12 home runs in that time. It was good for a 153 WRC+. Plus. He was 53% better than a league average hitter in those 44 games he played with the Royals. Now, again, it was a small sample size, but I mean, when you're getting 10 doubles, 12 homers in 44 games, I mean, you are really crushing the baseball. And the big thing he did was he had 30 walks, or excuse me, 20 walks in 44 games. His 12% walk rate was really impressive as well. He put together a really good looking first stint in the big. So of course he comes back in 2019 the next year and the Royals, you know, they have him on the opening day roster and are counting on him to be a, a solid part of their lineup in 2019. And well, all the good grace he built up in the short sample size the year before comes crashing down. He plays 105 games for the Royals in 2019, and this is still his longest time he spent in the big leagues in any season. 370 plate appearances that year. He did hit 14 homers, which was solid, but he hit just 195 that season. It was a 68 WRC plus for O'Hearn, who still did walk at a solid rate at about 11%, but did not do anything else besides the walks and a few home runs here and there. And the Royals at that point were just like, what do we have here? So they went into 2020 with a guy in O'Hearn who didn't hit and honestly didn't play a very good first base defensively in 2019 either. So I think they were using 2020 as, you know, hopefully a year to get a full look at him again. But of course, the pandemic comes, we get a shortened 60-game season, and O'Hearn does spend most of the year with the Royals in 2020, but again was not good. He played in 42 of those 60 games and 132 plate appearances. He again hits 195. He hits just two home runs for a 64 WRC+. And at that point, you're just looking... What is this guy? Now, he did have a 14% walk rate, so again, the walks were good. But the Royals were kind of concerned. Now, O'Hearn did get another pretty significant chance in 2021. The reason being, the Royals were terrible. Now, if he was on a team competing at all, he would have been in AAA. But the fact that the Royals weren't in it or just trying to get some guys at bats to see what they have... O'Hearn played about half the season, 84 games in 2021, had about 250 plate appearances, and again, he was terrible. Now, the average went up, he got it up to 225, which was much better than, than the 190 he was hitting the two years prior. Unfortunately, all of his walk abilities and his on-base abilities went away. He hit just nine home runs, and his walk rate fell from 14% to just 5% the next year, and he hit for a 69 WRC plus in 2021. So that takes us to 2022, where the Royals basically said, you are a bench player. Now, he, he did spend the whole season with the Royals. He never had a plate appearances in AAA this season, but he was coming off the bench, essentially. He played just 67 games for the Royals this year, just 145 plate appearances. O'Hearn hit only one home run this season, had just a 5% walk rate. He hit 239 with a 290 on base, a 321 slugging, good for just a 72 WRC+. Yeah, it was his best since the rookie year in 2018, but he was not anywhere close to an everyday player at this point with the Royals, and it was a little concerning. Now, what I will say about his 2022 season, ended up with a negative .3 war, according to Fangraphs, which gave him four consecutive seasons of negative war for the Royals, 
But you can at least say, well, he's had four straight bad seasons after the good 2018. It was a small sample size, but you can at least say 2022 was the best of those four bad seasons. That's one way to look at it. Another way to look at it is he did get pretty unlucky last year. Now, while he did bat 239, his expected batting average was 271. Now, you don't look at that in a huge sample size because it's just 145 plate appearances. So take what you will from that. But he probably should have been a little better hitter than he was this season. And he had some interesting numbers. A 92.1 average exit velocity, 92.1 miles per hour. That was a career high for Ryan O'Hearn. Again, the 271 expected batting average was a career high. His 24.1% strikeout rate was the lowest strikeout rate of his career. His 11.5% swing and miss rate was the second lowest of his career. He had a 48% hard hit rate, which was a career high for Ryan O'Hearn. So although these things didn't translate to the raw numbers, it's kind of similar to Ryan Mountcastle's season that we've talked about where the underlying numbers did look better. Now, the difference is Mountcastle is a much better hitter, had a much larger sample size, and it has a much better track record than Ryan O'Hearn does. It's been pretty bad, but at least it got marginally better in 2022. Now, still the concerning part is, I mean, what the heck happened to the walks for Ryan O'Hearn? 12%, 11%, 14% walk rate his first three seasons. Those are very, very good numbers. Then 5.1% and 5.5% on the walk rate the last two years. I mean, his power basically went away this year. Just the one home run in the 145 plate appearances. So that's kind of where you stand with Ryan O'Hearn at this point. I mean, you have a guy who used to walk, doesn't anymore, but he's cutting his strikeouts down. He's hitting the ball harder, but can it play into results on the field. Now, in terms of the splits, this is a guy who just does not hit lefties whatsoever. Had just a 44 WRC plus against lefties this year and a career 35 WRC plus against lefties. That means he is 65% worse than league average against lefties. Only a 90 career WRC plus against righties, but at least that's playable. He's not playable against left-handed hitters or left-handed pitchers, I should say. But the one thing that makes you think, okay, maybe he's trending in the right direction. The one thing obviously being 2022 a little bit better than the previous three seasons. And the other thing would be how he performed in the second half last year. Now, again, these are very small sample sizes. He only had 56 plate appearances in the second half of the season. That's like less than a month of plate appearances for most players. However, he did have a 122 WRC plus in the second half. His strikeout percentage went down from 28% to just 18% in the second half, which is very good. And he was hitting the ball on the ground 51% of the time in the first half. He hit it on the ground only 32% of the time in the second half, was hitting the ball in the air way more, and was producing better results in the second half of the season. And I think some of that is why the Royals, instead of non-tendering him, did tender him a contract when they came to that $1.4 million agreement and avoided arbitration for his 2023 contract. Again, it's weird that they still DFA'd him after that. You usually don't see teams do that. But they saw enough in him to at least tender him a contract initially. I'm not saying it's going to be great, but there are little specks of this thing for Ryan O'Hearn where he could still make it work. And in the field, it's been interesting because he had been mostly a first baseman in his career, but he's actually played more and more outfield since the time has gone on. And he basically split time 
at the two places last year. He played 66 innings at first base last year. He was a zero WRC+. plus. Basically, he was a league average first baseman defensively. Now, he used to be really bad. 2018, negative five WRC, or negative five defensive runs saved at first base. 2019, negative four. As I talked about with Eric Hosmer earlier this week, it's tough to have that high of a negative number in defensive runs saved at first base, but he did it. But he's gotten much better defensively at first. And he's playing more outfield. He actually played 77 innings in right field this year. That was more time that he spent at first. It was a negative two defensive run save. He was a little below average out there, but he can play the position. He's played a little bit of a left field in his career, played right field and left field along with first base in the minor leagues as well to at least a a league average level at times. So he has a little bit of versatility. And of course, being a left-handed hitter helps him at Camden Yards at this point. So there is at least maybe some things to look forward to. But in general... He's not going to be, I don't think, an everyday player for the Orioles. Coming up next, we're going to talk about what exactly Ryan O'Hearn's role could be if he does make this Baltimore opening day roster. But first, this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is brought to you by BetOnline.net, which is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis this January. Because... Obviously, the biggest game coming up is the college football playoff national championship game. That is coming up on Monday night. You've got Georgia and TCU. All the lines and all the odds from that one, you can get them at betonline.net. You can bet before the game, throughout the game. They'll have all the coverage at BetOnline. Plus, you got the NFL, the NBA, the NHL, college basketball all going on as well. All the lines and odds at BetOnline. And if you love sports podcasts, which I hope you do if you're listening to this one, you can even find those at Bet Online as well. They are always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more at Bet Online, where the game starts. So the Orioles made another trade on the margins coming on Tuesday, sending cash considerations to the Kansas City Royals and receiving the 29-year-old first baseman slash outfielder Ryan O'Hearn in return. Now, we talked about kind of who O'Hearn is as a player, as a hitter at this point. It hasn't been amazing over the last couple of years, certainly for Ryan O'Hearn. But the question becomes, all right, the Orioles traded for him. They're going to pay him $1.4 million, which... Right now would be the sixth highest player for the Orioles. After arbitration, he's going to fall in about 12th or 13th highest paid on the Orioles. It's still in the top half of the roster. That's still somewhat significant. And with the O's showing they're not really willing to spend a whole lot of money, that's a little bit of a significant number. And the fact that, you know, he's on the 40-man roster. The Orioles DFA'd somebody, Chris Valamont. We'll get to him in a minute to make room for him. And the O's still kind of needed that backup first baseman, somebody who could play behind... Ryan Mountcastle. So the question is, will O'Hearn win that role? Now, last week on the podcast, I did my first opening day roster prediction for the Orioles. Of course, this was before O'Hearn was added to the 40-man roster. And there's no way Ryan O'Hearn makes it into the Orioles' starting lineup. That's just not happening. But there could maybe be a bench spot for him. Now, I gave James McCann, Kyle Stowers, Taryn Vavra, and Ryan McKenna the four bench spots on opening day for the Orioles. It obviously laid out that James McCann would would clearly be the backup catcher after the Orioles acquired him from the Mets. And I noted that, you know, he's played first base in the majors and could kind of be that backup first baseman if the Orioles need it. Then talked about kind of Vavra being the utility 
infielder for the Orioles, plus can play some first, plus can play the outfield. Then you have McKenna, who's really your, your big-time defensive replacement in the outfield, slash pinch runner, slash maybe start against lefties guy. And then you have Kyle Stowers, who you know will play the outfield, will DH some, will hit against righties, try to hit for some power, and is kind of an interesting guy to, to plug and play into this Orioles lineup. But in general, that was the bench that I went with. Now, O'Hearn, to make the team, would have to beat out one of those three guys besides McCann. It would have to be Stowers, Vavra, or McKenna to get on the team. And, and the one thing he does do is he is a natural first baseman. He's gotten himself to a league average defender there. He's played a lot of innings at first base in the big leagues. And what the Orioles have had for a while is Mountcastle and Mancini, you know, multiple guys that can play first base. Before that, it was, you know, Mancini and, and Chris Davis. They always have had multiple guys who play first base on the roster. And this is looking like kind of the first time where they do not have, I mean, even, you know, they they brought in, you know, they had Tyler Nevin last year. He traded him away. They brought in Jesus Aguilar at the end of the year, even after they had traded Mancini to kind of have that second, that second first baseman there. But they don't have it right now. And although McCann can play the position and James McCann spoke to the media on Tuesday and talked about how he's already been told, you know, he's going to play a little bit of first base for the Orioles next year and that Adley Rutschman can play that position. And the Orioles worked out Anthony Santander and Taryn Vavra at first base kind of in an emergency situation during the season last year. So they have guys that can play there. But none of them are natural first basemen. O'Hearn is a natural first baseman. Plus, the Orioles are still looking for left-handed hitters with a little bit of pop. And Ryan O'Hearn, despite only one home run last year, still is a left-handed hitter with a little bit of pop. So all of those things certainly help him out in terms of if he can make the Orioles opening day roster. The tough part's going to be, can he beat out one of those other guys? I don't think he's beating out Kyle Stowers. I mean, Stowers is an Orioles prospect. He has just a, a lot higher upside, I think, at this point than O'Hearn. So it would really be down to, can he beat out Vavra or McKenna for a bench spot? And, and if the O's would make another trade, maybe would trade away a guy like Mateo or Arias. This would make it a little bit easier, potentially, on the roster to open up a spot there. But I would guess right now, if I did another opening day projection tomorrow... I think I'd have the same 26 guys. I don't think, even with this trade, I would put Ryan O'Hearn on that opening day roster. Now, I'd have him in the conversation, really competing in spring training for one of those spots. And I would maybe say that, you know, he's right on the cusp. If he had a big spring training, he could certainly win one of those bench roles. But right now, I wouldn't change my prediction, at least at this point. I don't think he's, even with trading for him and paying him over a million dollars, I don't think he's guaranteed a roster spot. And that's at least a nice change for the Orioles, who if they would have made this trade this time last year, he would have automatically been on this opening day roster, even you know making the trade here in early January. But I just don't think that's the case. I think McCann can cover you at first base for now, and you have Adley and maybe Santander and Vavra. And I just think Taron Vavra, with the versatility he gives you, playing the outfield, playing the infield, kind of an interesting bat. And then Ryan McKenna just... You know, they don't really have that pinch runner defensive replacement outfielder guy on the roster, and O'Hearn wouldn't be that, but McKenna gives you those options as well that O'Hearn just doesn't. And the Orioles are also looking for more guys who can hit lefties. They really struggled with that last year. McKenna can at times. O'Hearn should never be in the box in a big league game against a left-handed pitcher. So that's a little bit of a knock against him as well. I think he could be in the mix for that backup first base, but the Orioles also, you know, signed Franchi Cordero and Josh Lester and Nomar Mazzara to minor league deals. All guys with big league experience who could all potentially 
I mean, be in the same conversation as O'Hearn to win that, you know, maybe second first base role and get on that opening day roster for the Orioles. And I mean, in terms of Cordero and Mazzara, those guys both have better MLB track records than Ryan O'Hearn does. So they might even have a leg up on O'Hearn. So I think at this point, he's in the mix as left-handed bat and in the mix as a guy who could be that backup first baseman. Luckily, you know, the Cubs just signed Eric Hosmer on Tuesday, so we don't have to worry about him coming to Baltimore. And I mean, Hosmer's probably a better option than O'Hearn, but you can make an argument there. I really do not want Eric Hosmer, and I'm happy the Cubs signed him instead of the Orioles. But O'Hearn's in the mix. I just wouldn't put him on the opening day roster right now. I think there's a lot of other options. But I will say, he's still, again, as I've talked about, with the Kyle Gibson move, you know, the slight upgrade over Jordan Lyles. The James McCann move, he's a slight upgrade over Robinson Chirinos. The Adam Frazier move, he's a slight upgrade over Rugnet Odor. And even the Michael Givens move, he slightly upgrades the bullpen. This one is even more on the margins, but it is a slight upgrade because literally earlier in the week, the Orioles after DFAing Tyler Nevin were able to trade him to the Detroit Tigers for cash considerations. Nevin, a guy who plays first base. Now he plays a little third as well, but also plays the corner outfield. And a guy who had a little bit of a spark, you know, was a highly ranked prospect early in his big league career, but then kind of fizzled out with the bat. Same kind of thing for Ryan O'Hearn. The only thing is, I think at this point, O'Hearn's probably a better player. He's also a left-handed hitter, which plays better at Camden Yards. So if you think of it like this, the Orioles took that cash they got from the Tigers for Tyler Nevin and turned around and sent that cash to the Royals in this deal for Ryan O'Hearn. You can basically think of it as the Orioles traded Tyler Nevin for Ryan O'Hearn. And although it isn't exciting, and O'Hearn's not even a guy who I think you can guarantee is going to be on the opening day roster, O'Hearn is a slight upgrade over Tyler Nevin. So what this does, it just continues the Orioles' trend of this offseason. We're going to add on the margins and make slight upgrades to the roster. And even though O'Hearn's not a slam-dunk opening day player, he's a guy who's going to come in, and as long as he stays on the roster, compete for a spot in spring training. And again, he is a slight upgrade over Tyler Nevin. Now, there there is a chance that, I mean, he could get DFA'd before spring training. You know, it, it's he's not a lock again. And if the Euros find a, a better option as a left-handed bat, they could certainly DFA him. I don't even think he's automatically going to get to spring training on the 40-man, but... You know, it could happen because he still does have a minor league option left. So the Euros could keep him on the 40-man and still start him in AAA at the beginning of the season without having to put him on waivers. So that definitely helps O'Hearn's case. But in general, he's a depth piece, not somebody who I think is going to make a huge impact unless the Orioles, and maybe they do because of the, the slight things trending in the positive direction that I talked about with his 2022 season. Maybe the O's see something they can fix with that swing. They've done it with other guys. But again, this is not a huge, huge deal for the Orioles. But I think the other interesting part of this move that the O's made is, well, they traded for O'Hearn, had to put him on the 40-man roster. And their 40-man was full, so they had to make a roster move. And I thought a little bit surprisingly, they DFA'd Chris Valamont. So cut up next, we'll talk about why Valamont was the move, what his chances are sticking with the Orioles, and, and, and what he was for the O's in the minor leagues last season. But first, this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is also brought to you by Built Bar. Now, if you're looking for a delicious treat, but you don't want all the fat and the calories, then you got to try a Built Bar. And, you know, we just got through the holidays. I know some of you have the goal to eat a little healthier. Well, you got to try Built because it helps you out. With Built, healthy is actually tasty. Seriously, they're delicious 
and they're good for you, even though you won't believe that they are good for you because these Built Bars, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right, real chocolate. And they come in these great, unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, coconut almond, and more. But here's the best part. They're healthy, only 130 calories, only four grams of sugar, and a whopping 17 grams of protein in every Built Bar. And now, you don't need to just order online and wait around to get your box. You can now get them at your local Walmart or your Sam's Club. So you can run into Walmart, get a four-pack box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or go to Sam's Club, get a bigger box, 13 bars in there, get those flavors like brownie batter and churro. And trust me, you can thank me later. So again, you can head to built.com or head into Walmart or Sam's Club to get your hands on some delicious and nutritious Built Bars. So finishing up here on a Tuesday, a little bit of, I wouldn't say an emergency pod, but a quick to post pod here with the Orioles acquiring Ryan O'Hearn from the Kansas City Royals in exchange for cash considerations. Of course, O'Hearn goes on the 40-man roster, but the Orioles' 40-man was full, so they had to make a move, and the move was they designated Chris Valamont for assignment. Now, I was a little surprised that this was the move for the Orioles because as you scroll through the 40-man roster, I don't think there were any super easy slam dunk DFAs. Like I had talked about, you know, the next move the Orioles made, if they made another one, it would be a tougher decision on who to DFA. You looked at guys like, you know, would Joey Crable be in trouble? Would Andrew Politti maybe be returned to the Red Sox? Would Spencer Watkins or Bruce Zimmerman be in trouble? Or even, you know, a guy like Nick Vespi or Yenier Cano potentially not be on the roster any longer. But it ended up being Chris Valamont. And Chris Valamont is an interesting guy because you may not know the name, well, because he still hasn't pitched in the big leagues for the Orioles. He was a really interesting pickup by Baltimore. The Orioles claimed him off waivers from the Minnesota Twins fairly early last season. And what was weird is he was DFA'd while he was in double A. Now, the Chris Valamont story is a couple years ago, Valamont was eligible for the Rule 5 draft. And although he had had some struggles in the big leagues, or excuse me, in the minor leagues, he was generally a pretty well thought of prospect. He had this amazing stuff. And the Twins thought, you know what? Somebody's going to take a chance on him and drafting him. Let's just add him to the 40-man roster. So they did so. And then Valamont gets up to double A in 2022. And it was kind of a nightmare for Chris Valamont in double A with Minnesota. He pitched about 20 innings and had a 9.95 ERA. And the Twins, who were competing to try to get in the playoffs last year, decided we can't just waste a 40-man spot on a guy in double A with a 10 ERA. So they DFA'd him to add a big leaguer to the team to help them in the big leagues. It kind of makes sense. Like, I wouldn't blame the Twins for making that move at all. But the Orioles, who were still certainly in rebuild mode early last season, made the claim because Michael Elias saw the good stuff from Valamont and said, you know, he's got command issues, but maybe we can fix it. And so they claim Valamont. He goes to double A. And he makes three unbelievably dominant starts for the Bowie Bay Sox. 13 innings, one run on five hits, 18 strikeouts, and four walks. And the O's say, all right, let's get this guy to AAA. So at 25 years old, the right-hander Chris Valamont finally gets to AAA. He's got this big fastball, these really good two breaking balls with the slider and the curveball. And it 
wasn't the same kind of success as it was in Bowie. Now, he flashed some stuff, but he made 16 appearances and 12 starts for the Norfolk Tides, and in 72 innings, he had a 5.38 ERA. Now, the walks were way down. He got the walks under control. He was walking just 2.9 batters per nine, which is astounding compared to these huge walk numbers he had in the Minnesota system. The only issue was with the walks going down, the strikeouts went down as well. He was only striking out 8.4 batters per nine, which I believe was a career low in the minors for Chris Valamont. So the stuff wasn't playing up as much, and that was hurting him. He was getting hit more. He was also giving up an insane amount of home runs. A 10.5 home run to fly ball rate, probably a little unlucky, but generally it was a concerning amount of long balls he was giving up in Norfolk. So despite the struggles, the stuff was really major league ready, and I thought... He could have been a bullpen piece at some point for the Orioles in 2023. Now, obviously, they've got a lot of bullpen pieces right now on the 40-man roster and guys above Valamont who have already gotten to the big leagues and shown some of their stuff, but I thought they might hold on to him for a little longer. Now, he could pass through waivers, and the Orioles would be able to keep him. He couldn't refuse that assignment. They could keep him in AAA Norfolk, continue to work on his stuff, and still try to get him to the big leagues. But they felt they needed space for O'Hearn, who they thought could help them more at the big league level than Chris Valamont this year. That's basically why they make the move. And it will be interesting to see if anyone claims Valamont because he does have this good stuff, this intriguing stuff. But he's going to be 26 in March before next year starts, and he still hasn't gotten to the big leagues. And frankly, his first AAA stint wasn't really amazing either. So he's not, you know, maybe not even ready to be in the big leagues by opening day. So would another team claim him? I don't think a contending team would claim him. Maybe kind of a rebuilding team like the O's last year would take a flyer. But I think there is a chance, a solid chance, he could pass through waivers and the O's could keep him. And I think that's why they hung on to him. Because if you DFA a guy like Joey Crable or Yenier Cano or you know Bruce Zimmerman, I think almost certainly one of those guys is getting claimed. Whereas Valamont, you could be able to keep him around. So we'll keep our eye on that moving forward. But that'll do it for today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. As again, I didn't plan to record here on Tuesday, but the O's made a roster move. So here we are dropping this episode here later on Tuesday evening. You will hear me again bright and early on Wednesday morning, pre-recorded episode that I actually recorded yesterday, a mailbag Wednesday episode coming to you tomorrow that will answer nine Orioles questions, all from you, the listeners. Thank you so much for getting those questions in. And then unless the Orioles do make another move, the mailbag Wednesday episode will be the last episode of the week, and I'll be back on Monday here on the pod. But until then, I'm Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.